everyone. Welcome back to the Living with Joy Renewed podcast, where adoptive families find healing for the present and hope for the future. Joy Renewed is here to support you on your parenting journey each week with tips, real life stories, and encouragement to help your family find renewed joy at home. Here's this week's episode. podcast, we talked about how resiliency, strength, and other strong personality traits can be grown from traumatic experiences. And today I want to talk more about this and to really kind of dive into these factors that help us grow the resiliency of our adopted children. The article that I referenced in the last podcast by Sin Yan in 2013, entitled Resilience and Post-Traumatic Growth, I listed some of these factors. And I want to elaborate on them. I want to kind of see how we as parents can create the soil, so to speak, for our children to grow in their resiliency. We want our children to be mentally well and to overcome the battle that trauma causes in their minds. Having a safe, loving, and strong supporting relationship are so important, and we will discuss that in coming podcasts. But the battle that comes when there are these subconscious thought and belief patterns that have been ingrained in their brains from experiences or the knowledge of the circumstances and the path that their life has taken can be a difficult battle. These implicit beliefs are just there. No one had to say it to them. It comes from their brains storing pre-birth and post-birth experiences, and they can include beliefs thoughts, emotions, such as feeling rejected or abandoned by birth parents. And then that leads to these implicit belief patterns that maybe they could be abandoned again. Thoughts and questions that swirl in their heads, they will never be able to understand their true identity can come along because there's this void that exists when they don't know who their birth families are or where they come from. Beliefs that they will always feel different because they have unique fears and responses to everyday situations, such as change, authoritative control, uncertain schedules, and more. These battles in their minds lead to behaviors that they don't necessarily want to display, but that their brain will tell them they must do in order to protect themselves and to survive. So here's what we want to learn to do. We want to help them transition from survival mode to thriving. And I think this is possible when we aspire to understand them, when we try to understand the thoughts and their beliefs and their emotions that they're feeling. This can all be used to help them acquire coping skills that help them become more resilient and stronger. And this really will serve them well throughout their lives if they can acquire these coping skills. Of the factors that we listed last time, such as positive relationships and social supports, the ability to experience positive emotions, maintaining control over negative emotions. The one I really want to hone in on today is acquiring personal control and empowerment. This is huge for adoptive children, especially if they have experienced being in foster care or if they were old enough to remember being removed from their biological parents. But remember, even if our children were adopted from birth, Their brains still have these subconscious memories and implicit knowledge in them 
that's just ingrained in there. And it causes them to always be on high alert for their personal well-being and safety. So even if they do not remember having been with biological parents or foster parents, this is still something that their brains will constantly want to do, help them to be empowered and not powerless. It's kind of an example of how this will come out in our kiddos sometimes. When our first adopted daughter was young, we noticed that she really did not like being controlled. And I know, I know, I know all toddlers are experts at asserting their independence and having no desire really to have someone tell them what to do. But our daughter, she kind of took this to a different level. We would mention to her that it is bedtime and she would either ignore us or simply say, okay, and keep doing what she was doing. And then like clockwork, about 30 seconds later, she would hop up and she would say, I'm going to bedtime now. And she'd head up to her room. I soon discovered this was not really an act of rebellious disobedience. It was more about her controlling her own decision. Now, ultimately, she knew we were in charge. And if it was bedtime, she was going to have to go to bed. We were going to win that battle. But we quickly realized it went much smoother when we allowed her some sense of control over that decision. Now, we didn't want to start a dangerous pattern with a toddler by letting her make all the decisions. So instead, we just changed the bedtime narrative a little. We would say, bedtime is getting close. Let us know when you're ready to head up and we will go up with you and read a story and snuggle in bed. Now, obviously, if she didn't let us know, then we would need to be more forceful and kind of enforce that bedtime. But for the most part, this usually worked out well. So the first factor here that we're talking about that can prepare the soil for our children to grow from their traumatic experiences is helping them to acquire some personal control and empowerment. Think about it here. Normal human experience is that two parents create a child, that child is born, a family is formed, and the story of that child's life begins and is set within that family system. But for our adopted kiddos, someone decided that their story would look different. They didn't have any control over that decision. No one listened if they said they didn't want to have a different story. Usually in these situations, no one asks them where they would like to go or who they would like to replace their family. If they were given up for adoption by birth parents, less traumatic, yes, but still someone made that decision for them. If they were forcibly removed from birth parents, someone, again, made that decision for them. And the decision of where they would go was decided by a committee of people. It's like they are chess pieces that a person or a system decided to strategically move, either for their own well-being or for that other person's personal preference. This may not be a conscious thought, but it is a pathway of experience that is now stuck in the amygdala part of their brain where their experiences are stored. So from that point on, every experience, every thought, every decision they have goes through this portion of their brain that is holding that memory, and it's influenced by the knowledge that they had no control over a major life experience. And it happened because someone else decided it should. Their brain is going to tell them 
that in order for them to be safe and secure from someone trying to completely change their life story again, they need to take over some control, some strong control of their lives. Our oldest adopted daughter really struggled with this the most, although I did see it come out in in all of our kiddos. She didn't really mind that there were rules in our house, but she wanted to control when and how they were followed. For example, once she was playing in in a young basketball league, and this wasn't a rule in our house, this was a rule of the sport in basketball, she was probably about eight or nine years old. During a foul shot, they all had to line up along the line and the ref came along because they're still learning the game. And he came along and checked and make sure they were all standing behind the line. Well, she was not. She was told to move back behind the line. So she stepped back. And as soon as she saw that he had moved on, she shimmied her toes to the very edge of the line, to the very, very edge of where they should be. Now, no one noticed because she was behind the line, but we did as her parents because this was typical behavior for her. She just needed a sense of control. We quickly realized that we had to help empower her to have some sense of control in her life so that this need that she had did not get out of hand and turn into behaviors that could actually bring harm to her. So we started making conscious efforts to let her make decisions that she could make. For example, by allowing the children to take turns choosing movies for family movie nights, allowing her the choice to not watch and go into her room instead if she didn't like someone's choice, taught her that while she cannot always control the decisions that are made for her, it is sometimes possible to make a different decision without causing conflict or always asserting her control over other people. Now, this became difficult in school and other settings because decisions are made for children all day long in those environments. But as I have said so many times, awareness is really the key here. There is no secret formula for me to share as to how to help your children maintain a sense of control and empowerment. But be aware that if there are rebellious and disobedient behaviors happening, this might have something to do with it. They may just be trying to protect themselves from someone trying to make decisions for them. This behavior should not be acceptable. They have to learn that society doesn't work that way. But being aware that it's where these behaviors are coming from can become so powerful for a parent. Why? Because it changes your thought process as the parent. You are your child's strongest ally and most powerful therapist. When you parent from a place of understanding why your child is reacting the way they are to a certain situation, you will make decisions that help them to overcome these faulty thought patterns that they're responding to instead of simply trying to teach them what's acceptable and non-acceptable behavior. When we can help them change the thoughts and beliefs that they can't allow people, systems, or society to control them, they find healing for the trauma of loss and control, and they gain a strong character trait that helps them discern what control is good and empowers them to speak up when it is appropriate to maintain control over their lives. Because reality is we all want to control our own lives. Every child and teenager is going through a journey of learning what is appropriate control, when they need to concede to appropriate authority, and when it's important to stand up for themselves. But adoption trauma causes an unhealthy fear of control, and it can lead to self-empowerment that could be dangerous for them. So this is what I say, pay attention. Just allow them to make decisions when they can. 
Teach them why they struggle with control and parent out of awareness. In doing this, you will help them become strong decision makers that respond rather than react to the circumstances around them. I hope that I was able to give you a tool today that helps you on this beautiful journey with your children. We're all in this together. Parenting is not easy, but it can be joyful. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Living with Joy Renewed podcast. We hope that this episode resonated with you and provided some hope and inspiration for your own family's journey. If you'd like to join a virtual or in-person life group with other adoptive families, visit us at www.livewithjoyrenewed.com. In the meantime, stay connected with us on Instagram at livewithjoyrenewed. And remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the next episode. As always, thanks for allowing us to be a part of your family's journey.